Sometimes it makes me sad. Though, Andy being gone, I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright. And when they fly away, the part of you that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. But still, the place you live in is that much more drab and empty that they're gone. So I guess I will just subscribe to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast on iTunes. Because after all, listening to these two idiots is better than crawling through five football fields worth of shit. Thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. If you're keeping score at home, I am Sanders. And I'm still live. And this is episode 37, a somewhat somber 9-11 edition. I hope it's not too somber. I um, I forgot that it was 9-11. I walked into... I, mean, I, mean, I knew it was 9-11 all day, but I didn't even think about the implications of recording this podcast on 9-11 yeah and i don't think there's too too many implications anymore yeah um, never forget man you never forget but but time what's that saying time heals all time wounds, heals all wounds. Uh, but up here it's still a pretty big deal every um every uh, september 11th the local news stations play a uh a memorial um broadcast where uh folks and family members and survivors uh, yeah. First responders, etc., read the names of the 9/11 victims. Um, yeah. This year, they did it in front of the uh, 9/11 memorial. I'm not even going to pretend that I know when the 9/11 memorial opened. I think this might be the first or second year uh, that it's been totally completed. But um, yeah, still, still kind of a big deal. Actually, I went to a, a website today to check something out, um, and it happened to be a New York-based company that shut their website down in memoriam uh, huh. 9-11 which i thought was was kind of cool you know that's yeah. kind of uh putting your money where your mouth is literally yeah or figure i guess obviously i mean it's a big deal everywhere but obviously as far as personal impact it's going to be a bigger deal up in your part of the country um considering the number of people that you know lived in those towns and everywhere else around there who were victims of the uh, of the acts, you know. Yeah, well, the um, the alternative was to watch coverage of the Ray Rice debacle, which is also a big deal up here. Uh, yeah. Ray Rice is a, is, a, uh, is a Rutgers product, and that's just, um, man, that's worn thin. Yep, it's definitely a big deal down here, too, because after all the bullshit over the bounty bullshit and all the shit... The commissioner did over that, you know, he's going to claim all this BS about how he didn't, he's going to play the, he's going to play the ignorance card on Ray Rice. All right. That's what I was going to ask you because that's probably the, um, that's probably the biggest parallel, um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, cover up or, um, 
or punishment in terms of organizational scandal, I should say, yeah. um, that that comes close to this this deal. Um, and I was wondering if if you guys are uh, are getting a lot of play on this, especially oh, yeah, over the last twelve hours. Saints fans hate Roger Goodell to begin with, <laughs> you know. Um, and the paper they published an editorial saying he's got to step down. Uh, if he's going to be consistent with the stuff he said about the Saints when he punched them, like I'd say, and Sean Payton claiming this wasn't going on or didn't know about it, he can't claim ignorance and all this, and and that's exactly what Goodell's going right now. You know, if you're going to go by your own standards that you that you held uh, the football coach of a team, a the Bonnie Gate thing was such bullshit anyway. There was never any verifiable. Uh, they were never able to look and be like, oh, this guy went out for the rest of the season or went out of the game because there was a bounty. Never at any point like that did that happen. And then on top of it, you were against guys who were playing the same game where everybody's wearing equipment. They suspended the guys for the whole season. Guys' careers were ruined over it. You know, the coach was suspended for the whole season. Saints lost the whole season for it. This asshole hit a woman and was given two games automatically. You know, like how fucking preposterous is that? Yeah, it's a, it's totally a joke. Yes, it's and it was a defenseless person. Like even if he didn't see her getting hit, all you had to know was that video where he's dragging out elevator. He wasn't dragging out elevator like, oh look at you, oh no baby, what's going on? You know, like he wasn't looking down. He dragged her out and he tapped her with his foot to see if she was still breathing. Yeah, that's the thing that amazes me is that people are now shocked about the the fact that he hit her. How did, how did they think she got rendered yeah. unconscious? I mean, if she did, if she did just faint, if that's if that's what they thought beforehand, if all she did was faint, he's the biggest uncaring asshole in the world. If that was the case. Yeah, right. I mean, because he shows no concern for her. He drags her out like she's a bag of garbage. You know? Yeah, totally brutal. Yeah, like, you know, hunters... <laughs> hunters freaking have better care of their deer when they shoot them than he did for his wife. Yeah, you, you, know? didn't, you didn't need a videotape to... F- to, to figure out what happened in that elevator. And you certainly didn't need more evidence than you already had to determine that that was a pretty vicious um, offense. And and that's the other thing. The way he treated her, that, that probably shows that he's probably done it to her before. Maybe not knocked her out, but he's definitely hit her before. And if not her, he's definitely hit a woman before because it wasn't a shock. It wasn't like, Oh no! What did I do? You know, it was like, eh, he didn't care. You know? Yeah, I mean, they say that these things are are, are typically uh, born uh, within, uh, you know, a particular pattern of behavior or a particular um, recurrence of, you know, a certain type of interaction. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, it has to start somewhere, but. You know, all the experts point to the fact that these aren't typically isolated incidents. And listen, there's there's smarter people that know a lot more about this stuff than than you and I sitting. Yeah, of course. You know, 
talking. I mean, Ray Rice is despicable, and just thank you that he decided to go to Rutgers. Because, you, know, <laughs> you know, he originally committed to Syracuse. Uh, oh, that's right. <laughs> and oh, then that's... when they got rid of Paul Pascalone, he, he, he said, screw it, I'm going to Rutgers. The last thing we would have needed was for him to be uh, a Syracuse alum because while all this is going on, people yeah. are dredging up Jim Brown stories. Yeah, I was going to say, especially, like, that was, I'm trying to think, it was another football player. Um, somebody had retweeted it. I saw it yesterday. It was, I, I wish I could remember who it was. It was kind of a prominent uh, recent football player who was like, why does Jim Brown get a pass as Ray Rice is crucified? You know? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think over time Ray Rice will get a pass as well. If 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 Ray Rice was 24 instead of 27 or, you know, going on 28 and he was suspended for a year or suspended indefinitely, allowed to re, uh, re- apply for reinstatement within a year, Guarantee Ray Rice is is, is going to get another shot at football. He might get another shot at football now, but yeah. if he doesn't, it's probably because of his physical performance. I mean, theoretically, he's young, but I mean, by football standards, by the time he gets back, he might not be. He's 27 as a running back. You know, it depends how many years they have him, how many years they make him pay, you know? Yeah. But he'll get a chance to come back. He'll get a chance. First and foremost, he'll get a chance to do uh, Rutgers uh, television or radio. Well, I saw there was an article earlier this week. Uh, It was from one of the New Jersey papers, I guess, a columnist up there basically saying Rutgers, urging Rutgers to cut ties with him. Yeah. Yeah, I read that article as well. Uh, And what they have at Rutgers, um, since it's not such a storied – football program um, they hold their uh, NFL they hold their alum in the NFL in high esteem and sure. at the beginning of every home football game they play a montage of I want to say it's current Rutgers alumni in the NFL it might extend to all time because it's yeah. not that many but um, at least current members and he was um obviously the he, most he was the most right? the most famous and he yeah. he was the end of the video and typically he got a lot of you know a, a standing ovation every time that they played that they've since removed him from the video obviously yeah um, but they've kind of cut it down the middle and saying that well we removed him because he's no longer on an NFL roster and these players you know, are are active NFL players, so he has no place there. Uh, the Kurt Flood, the I don't think it's Kurt Flood. Flood is the head coach of Kyle Rutgers. Kyle Flood. Kyle Flood. Kurt <laughs> Flood was the guy. The free agency in baseball. Yes. Yes. Reserve clause. <laughs> um. So Kyle Flood said, "Hey, listen, he's a he's a member of Rutgers family. Uh, we don't condone what he did, but." Um, you know, he's still a member of our uh, institution. Yep. We have high standards, and until he he's ready to live up to those standards, you know, we're, we're essentially going to cut ties with him, but not forget about him. Um, so that's going to be his first safe haven. Uh, he's going to go away. He's going to go through. And, and 
and by all accounts, he's 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 already done and said the right things. He's not contributing to his issue whatsoever. If it wasn't for the NFL, if it wasn't for this tape, uh, if it wasn't for the you know alleged cover up, I'd say he'd probably be already well on his way to redemption. Um, you know, he married his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, there apparently, you know. He married her like the day after he got yeah. indicted, I think. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but but if they would have just given him a realistic punishment. Well, know, yeah, that was the other thing. That's he, the big problem. That's why if if he if they would suspend him for uh, the season or eight games even, you know, people wouldn't have been freaking out like this. You know, it comes out and it's like, wait, you knew of this and you still only gave him two games? Yeah, well, here's here's the the issue in terms of um, you know improving or uh, improving their image or or moving on from this um, in terms of a league uh, or the commissioner's office specifically is that finances drive this kind of stuff. Yeah, and by this point in the Donald Sterling scandal, uh, NFL. Uh, NBA players, NBA sponsors, uh, media partners were already threatening to pull out. They yeah. already wanted uh, some type of revol- resolution. You know, days after, um, days after the, um, the the comments came to light. I, maybe I'm not looking hard enough, but I haven't seen any sponsors or any media partners calling for a mea culpa uh, or Roger Goodell's head on a stick. Um, or no, they're going to pull out. So, really, at the end of the day, if they're not losing, if they're not losing sponsors and they're not losing fans, you know, they're just going to wait for this whole thing to blow over. Now, I understand what you're saying, because it, it is money that drives everything. But the PR might be enough to 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 get him to step down, only from the perspective of, you know. A a chimpanzee could run the NFL and make money as popular <laughs> as it is right now. Uh, you know, they keep saying, oh, well, he makes so much money for a league. It's like, how much more money is Roger Goodell making for a league than any other half-competent executive running the NFL? You know? It's funny you say that. So I've been on a, uh, on a, a little more of an aggressive job hunt uh, over the last couple weeks. Uh, so I was scrolling through uh, Indeed.com, and uh, I came across yeah. this job posting, which uh, the um, and the title is uh, a company uh, stole our name from another very popular sport. And then the job description is: This is a great job. Let me tell you why. First, you make a crap ton of money, like lots and lots and lots of it. Second, job security. You can totally botch really important stuff, and nobody seems to care. And at this point, I'm like, well, oh, this is a weird kind of job description, yeah. but let me keep reading. Uh, and if you want to, and if you want to be, you can be a total d bag to everybody and get away with it. I suppose you don't have to be, and most people would prefer if you weren't. But hey, that's part of the fun. Third, you can lie your ass off and keep your job because money. Finally, and this is actually the only reimburse, uh, the only requirement whatsoever we ask of you. You must, a- you absolutely must hate people who smoke marijuana. So it's at that point I realize it's a it's a job posting for the commissioner of the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> actually, you have to hate people who associate with other people who smoke marijuana. 
We yeah. don't really have any reason, but that's part of the gig. All in all, uh, we uh, we here at the uh, at the NFL hope you consider putting in your application. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny and and yep. telling, and that it snuck through a job posting board. Yeah, yeah, they missed it without getting flagged. So that's. Well, I hope you guys screenshotted that, huh? I did. Nice. Yeah. Everything for the show, man. I'm always on my. Uh, I'm always on, with my like, two sorry um, excuses hat on. We're talking about Jim Brown coming up, and people wondering why this is drawing bigger attention than some other cases that have happened because it's not the first domestic violence. The Onion had a little article: NFL announces new zero tolerance policy on videotaped domestic violence. <laughs> Oh, that's that's, that's the big problem here is that it was videotaped, you know. And then right. I had another good one. Good De- Goodell assures fans he was too busy dismissing other players' assaults to watch Ray Rice tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Well, that's the funny thing, man. You think at this point people would realize, especially when you ascend to a, a level as high as somebody like the commissioner of the NFL. The crime never does you in, man. It's the cover-up. It's the lie. How yeah, many stupid things have you done in your life? Yep. Dozens. Uh, dozens. You hundreds. know, yeah. hundreds. Like, I couldn't even catalog the amount of times I did something stupid. Yep. But the only time it comes to bite you in the ass is when you try to actively cover it up. Yep. I don't understand it. I don't know when people are going to get it, uh, especially in this day and age. TMZ. I took a shit earlier today. I'm pretty sure TMZ has videotape of it. Probably. <laughs> this is where I had on the TV and uh, the news and Harvey Levin was on there and he's like, oh, he cl- he's claiming he couldn't get this. It was easily accessible. We got it. You know, Harvey Levin's the guy that runs TMZ. yeah. 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 You know, he was basically just on there calling bullshit on Goodell, you know, which, uh, you know, which is per, you know, teams he can get it, he definitely can get it. And then he was claiming, well, no, we had to get it from the cops, not from the uh, casino because it's it's best evidence from the cops. And they're like, well, the cops got it from the casino. Why wouldn't you get it from the casino? How uh, if the cops are getting it from the casino? How do you think anything you're getting from the casinos ain't different, you know? And that's that's like the, just punching holes in all their bullshit stories. And really, to be honest, that's the bullshit argument about um, that's the, that's the NFL's bullshit argument is that um, you know we need to adhere to due process. We need to adhere to you know the letter of the law. The law is the ultimate. Uh, deciding factor in terms of how we make decisions. But that's bullshit. As long as the guy gets paid, yeah, there shouldn't be an issue if the NFL makes a decision based on preliminary evidence. Yeah. The NFL's not bound by due process. No kidding. It's a pro- look, private organization. Look at your previous example of the New Orleans Saints. You tell yep. me, due process rang true, you know, in those, in those, uh, you know, penalties being handed down. Well, and that's another thing. In that case, he did all that, and then Paul Tagliabue came in and reversed most of it. 
but it was already too late for the Saints, you know? Right. Um, right. Google the name Anthony Hargrove if you want to see somebody whose career was ruined by that. You know, he was one of the rank and file guys that got screwed by that whole thing. And he was, I think he was supposed to be in the Packers. He got dumped and he never played again. You know? Like, like he wasn't he wasn't like Jonathan Vilma or one of these guys who's a star. He was just a rank and file guy who totally got screwed by that whole situation. All because they picked up some something they they picked up on the sideline from NFL films or some bullshit, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. That whole situation was bullshit. But it's crazy how how widespread it's become. I um maybe about 6 months ago, 8, eight months ago, I helped my dad um, he retired, but he started uh, his own consulting company. Uh, he did some work on the side. So I helped him set up a website, and I tried to to, uh, to uh, espouse the benefits of social media. Um, I tried to talk him into recording a podcast. Um, <laughs> also set up a Twitter account. He's pretty well known in his industry, and yeah. I, I think that he would um, benefit from – you know, his instant credibility by getting out on Twitter, et cetera. Yeah. He's tweeted maybe three or four times. He's just a, you know, he's an old timer. He's, he's pretty hip in terms of technology and, and, um, you know, current events, but in terms of business, he's old time, old school. Um, so he's eating his breakfast this morning and he, he comes into the back and he, he goes, Hey, um, you know, uh, they said uh, Roger Goodell is going to have a news conference, and I'm I'm pretty sure that he um, is going to tell everybody that he did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> and he starts laughing, and I was like, "All right, did you make that up, or did you get that off the internet?" He's like, "No, no, no, I made it up. I made it up. That, that's mine." I'm like, "All right, kind of funny." Um, and my dad's not a really he's not he doesn't play blue, you know. Yeah. He, he's he's a straight shooter, so. A few minutes later, I'm, I'm doing some work, and he, he comes back in, and, and he goes, how do I tweet something? How, mm-hmm. I want to tweet at uh, Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, Why are you tweeting at Stephen A. Smith? Stephen A. Smith. And he says, I, well, I don't have any Twitter followers. I said, well, you're going to tweet at Stephen A. Smith? And I'm not putting two and two together. And he's like, just show me how to tweet. And I'm like, press that button. And he starts to type out his joke to Stephen A. Smith. And I'm, yeah. and I'm like, no, 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 put that away. Put, you're going to regret this. It's not, it's not funny. Like, nobody's going to even get the reference because it was so long ago. Basically, anybody under 36, anybody under 38 isn't going to know what you're talking about anyway. So don't, don't do it. You're going to have to backtrack, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, he was a little, dis- he was a little dejected. I said, you can, you can, you can create a joke Twitter account if you want, a throwaway account, and send it out. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll go figure out how to, to open a new Twitter account. And then I come home today, and we're sitting around, and I go, hey, um, did you see Paul George? And he's like, no, what did he say? So I, I read him the, the Paul George tweets that came out today, which was basically, hey, listen, you know, I don't, I don't condone hitting women, but if Ray Rice's wife's not making a big deal about this, I don't think we should be making a big deal about it anyway. Either. Yeah, Larry Bird wasn't happy with this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which <laughs> just goes to show you, you know, the power of Twitter certainly cuts both ways. And, yep. 
nobody wants to hear what you have to think, what you think on on a controversial issue. Just put put it away. Yeah. Put it, put your tweet put your tweet box away. Yep. Like if you're a prominent person and you're gonna say something that could go either way, just don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because there's no way it's it's gonna be hard enough to communicate that off the cuff on the fly in a traditional interview setting. Yep. And the forget about doing it in George. 140 characters or less. The problem with what Paul George said to begin with, uh, as far as, you know, by f- like, of course, I'm no expert, but I've read some stuff, especially in the past couple of days about this, but from experts that deal with domestic violence is, well, yeah, a lot of people don't, a lot of women don't say anything or leave or do anything because their fear is they'll get killed. And and that a lot of times when these women do get murdered by the men, what precipitates it when they're finally like, I'm fucking leaving this situation, you know? So the last thing you can do, especially if you're Paul George, is to sit there and, and be like, well, she's fine with it. Because is she really fine with it? Or is she just in fear of the repercussions of saying she's not fine with it, you know? Right, right. I mean, there's too much gone on there and there's been women like it's only been in the past 15 to 20 years that it's come around to the fact that people actually get arrested for domestic violence whether the woman will say anything or not i mean time was ray rice wouldn't even have got that pre-trial um diversion program that they put him in you know because the wife didn't want to press charges she wouldn't even got wouldn't even have gotten that against him. But now they have procedures that even if she's unwilling to say it, they're still going to do something. You right. know? Right, right. I mean, it's, it's a serious friggin' thing, man. I don't know. Any asshole that wants to hit a woman, you know, he probably should have the shit beaten out of him by some by somebody else anyway, you know? Yeah. Amen, brother. So speaking of moving away from let's uh, uh, let's uh, let's do something funny. It's been a half an hour of uh, of heavy. Well, you sure you want to do something funny? Because the other nine hundred pound gorilla um, does the name Hannah Strong mean anything to you? Would it Hannah what? Hannah Strong. Uh, No, should it? Uh, If you're a Syracuse person, it should. This even made dead spin. She's on the soccer team, the uh, Syracuse uh, lady soccer team. And a video came out last week. It's like a 12-second long clip. And she is, I think she yells um, the N-word and faggot to somebody on camera. You know, she's having some dispute with somebody. She's like, call me out for saying that. And, of course, they did call her out, and they posted it. Deadspin picked it up. You know, I didn't even know. The way I heard about this was, the way I first heard about it was from Derek Coleman, because I follow him on Twitter. You know, I, I get, I see, I'm f- looking at Twitter over the weekend, and there was a retweet from Derek Coleman. Like, uh, And the funny thing is, before I saw that, earlier in the day, I saw something on the official Syracuse Twitter thing about uh 
Syracuse, uh, it was like they restate their policy on the stewed code of code of conduct, blah blah blah. I was like, huh, I wonder what does that that's all about, you know? And then uh, Colvin had something like, "What the hell is going on up the hill or something?" And I didn't hear about this. And I clicked on it. And it was from the Syracuse newspapers website. And it was a story about it. Then I saw it was linked to on did spend the video of this girl. You know, it's the big controversy on the hill right now. Is this is this female soccer player who who uh, who's on video disparagingly using the N word and uh, and using uh, gay epithet a gay epithet too? You know, that's so insane. I imagine you're googling it right now. I, I am, and I'm reading a bunch of the responses. She issued a she issued a statement to the Daily Orange that I read. It was very brief about how she's embarrassed, how she, she was uh, apologizing to everybody in the world about saying such hurtful things. Blah blah blah. What was the context? Was it was it during a game? No, no. It was like out probably you know it was like probably like in the Marshall Street area or something. It was, I saw the video, it's real brief, it's only like, you know, it's less than 20 seconds long, I think it's literally like 12 seconds, the video that was posted, uh, that I saw through Deadspin, and the guy's holding a camera, she obviously had an altercation with this guy who was filming this, and she's like, you blah blah blah, and faggot, uh, you know, I, I dare you to call me out on this or something, you know? She's like, quit filming me. So obviously she was having a conflict with somebody, you know. Right, right. And and obviously if it's a regular student, you know, it's something embarrassing. But the fact that she was an athlete, you know, representing the school, she was automatically immediately suspended from the from the soccer team. You know, the university had to issue a statement on what they felt, and apparently it's been big fodder. Some um, I read a letter to the editor of the Daily Orange today by some um, a girl who whose minor was gender and women's studies who was blaming it on the rap music and the type <laughs> of act they bring to Syracuse, which seems ridiculous to me. She's like, I pop and lock too, but I don't think this really helps the people they're bringing here, which I always think it's a bailout when you're going to blame music for that stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is she a senior? Uh, she may be. I'm not sure. She's from Massachusetts. I know that much. Hannah Strong. Yeah, it probably doesn't help her case that she's a graduate from the Win- the Winchester Thurston School, <laughs> which I would imagine is a uh, particularly... Winchester Thurston Hall the Third School. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm sure she's from friggin' 98% of the places where white people are from in Massachusetts. She's probably <laughs> hasn't met a black person all her life. <laughs> I can't believe that they don't, um, that they don't put these kids through more rigorous uh, training when it comes to social media because. If they're going to hold them to higher standards. So if this was just – I saw I saw Conrad McRae 
get into a fight on Marshall Street that cops came and closed down Marshall Street. But it was before the time of cell phones. It was before the time of digital cameras. So none of that mattered. Yeah, just thank God none of that stuff happened when we were in college. I mean, none of that stuff was going on when we were in college because it would be everywhere. Right. That's like I was just reading something earlier today about – earlier tonight about – about like 9-11, you know, social media wasn't social. Me- that was only that was in this century, 2001. People didn't have camera phones everywhere. There was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. Can you imagine what it'd be like if that was the most photographed event ever, 9-11. But imagine what that would be like if it was going on now, you know, with with the way social media is. It's ridiculous. It's crazy to think about it. Now, that's funny. I, uh, I, okay, so I gotta, I gotta check out the video at some point. But, um, apparently she went on a tire. So the video starts with Strong approaching an unidentified person holding the camera, ex- instructing him or her not to record the video. Yeah. Call me out on saying the N word. I don't give a shit, Strong said after the tirade. Does she say the N word? Does she say N word? Yeah, the tirade, or does she drop? Yes, the I think N-bomb? we can say it on this show. She says, "I think she says nigger faggot or something like that." But then she comes back with, "Call me out on saying the yeah. N word," which is yeah, funny because she censored herself. Yeah, but obviously she didn't think it was a big deal saying faggot. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and even the way the reaction was, I think that was some of the complaints I read from other people, like. uh People chiming into the Daily Orange and people that write for the Daily Orange was like everybody's focused on the racial aspect and nobody's focused on the 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 anti-homosexual aspect of it all. You know, I will give uh, I will give our favorite uh, punching bag Daryl Gross some credit here. Uh, in his statement to the DO, he said this type of intolerant and hurtful language focused on both race and sexual orientation is not a, is not part of the culture we foster. Yep. So good good for DG. No, um, he did what he had to do. The university had, did what they had to do. I mean, I don't know how that girl's going to go back on the field right now, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's one of the questions. I mean, she... I can't imagine she's long for Syracuse University. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine not. I'm gonna guess. It looks like she graduated uh, high school class of '09, which would make her what? Uh, that would make her like basically a fifth year senior at this point. Yeah. So I mean, you know, uh, hopefully maybe she was working on graduate programs or something that it it'll let her get out of town. Yeah, but and that's not even an issue of social media. Her doing anything on social media—that's the issue of her being a drunken, uh, a drunken idiot who, for who obviously, you know, is is the moron. You know, you're gonna sit there and say stupid, hateful things like, you know, on video in this day and age. You don't think someone's gonna post that? You know, that was. As our good That's friend, stupid. as our good friend Dave Gleese would say, alcohol is a powerful drug. Yeah, it's a powerful drug. Yep. Alcohol I mean, that's powerful that's drug, man. that's um, uh, that's stupid. You know, 
Uh, it's not as... It, it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there's that, and then there's the CeeLo Green thing where you actively go put on Twitter about why you raped the woman, you know, and why she had it coming to her or whatever, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we are the uh, the bastion of, of um, vetted factual content but uh, let the record be known that she went to monsoon high school and not uh not uh, thurston winchester academy as previously well, reported thurston winchester academy uh i googled must have found a different hannah strong uh, okay so i was gonna say maybe it could have been a prep school a one-year prep school maybe maybe could yeah. be could be but, let's just uh, let's just keep running this r- rumor mill <laughs> You know, we've just painted her in the worst light, like she's a Duke lacrosse player. Uh, right. <laughs> That's it. That's yeah. it. Basically, she's a Duke lacrosse player. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. So, wow. Talk about from the frying pan to the fire. All right. Well, now we can go on to something funny. Unless you have something more serious to talk about. No, I'm just hoping you have something funny. <laughs> oh, I thought you were bringing the funny. Uh, I didn't prepare my funions, um, my funion articles uh, this week, um, which good it thing. It hasn't been a really funny week for me. No. Yeah. Why, what, what do you got going on? Anything? Uh, I'm trying to think. How's your uh, house closing going? Well, they they did a termite inspection earlier this week. I got the email from the realtor saying that went good and everything. The the mortgage has been approved. This thing might close quicker than we thought, and that's the last I heard of her. I mean, that was Monday or Tuesday. Right, right. I guess it was Monday, but I feel like I got to talk to her still. You know, <laughs> it's like dating. Having a real estate agent is is really like dating. You need well, to be in constant contact, but you don't want to be overbearing. Exactly. But I'm like, oh, I haven't talked to her. Actually, talked to her over a week now. I think I should. Part of me wonders. You know, part of me has the fear of, oh, am I getting a short shrift because my because I'm not buying a $400,000 house, you know? Right, I'm not right. buying a big commission maker, you know? Yeah, 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 right. The, right. I mean, a $400,000 house is what you would pay eight hundred grand for in your neck of the woods. Okay. okay. <laughs> I mean, it's true. $400,000 in Boston... It was like get you get you like a closet in Charlestown. You know, four hundred thousand dollars to get you a decent house. You need to live an hour away from the city. It's ridiculous, you know. But um, you know, you spend your life driving to the train station so you can commute in, and uh, so your family can live in this big old house and you can see your kids for about ten out ten minutes a night. You know? There's a uh, there's a. Audible, uh, audible.com. You know, you know what they, um, it's an Amazon.com company. So, uh, feel free to head to Amazon.com, go to Two Sorry Excuses website, click on the oh, Amazon Amazon.com if you go there from Two Sorry Excuses. First. That's right. Yeah. There should be no other path to commerce. Although, I unfortunately did order something from Amazon.com a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't go through two sorry excuses because I just wasn't even thinking about it. And I, I, I stayed silent on it last week, but I figured it was time to fess up. 
<laughs> cover up is always worse than the crime, Liv. The cover up is always worse than the crime. Uh, I thought about. I was like, oh man, I should have done that. Oh, but I was like, what am I doing? Taking money. I, I guess technically, I'd be giving myself a discount of some sort. Yeah, you'd be giving yourself a four percent discount. Yeah, two percent because we split everything fifty fifty. So the great deal I got on Amazon could have been even a greater deal. Even better. Even Uh, better. But what about Audible.com? Audible.com has this commercial. uh, It's um, audio books. They specialize in audio books. So it's got this commercial, and the guy's like, "Um, yeah, I live in Schenectady, but I commute to the city every day. It's six hours round trip. I mean, the guy says that in the commercial? Yeah, he says that in the commercial. And the gist of the commercial is he spends his time in the car listening to audiobooks. But um, a connected to New York City commute is is insane. I mean, obviously, it, it's probably fictionalized because it's a commercial, but it's yeah. not that far out of the realm of possibility. People around here easily commute two hours plus. You mean two hours at a time? Two hours at a time, right? Four, four or five hours round trip. I don't know. I mean, I don't know too much about Schenectady. I mean, I've been through there, passed through there, you know, between New York and Syracuse. But it just, with a name like that, just sounds too ugly to be somewhere where you don't. Oh, I'm gonna live there and commute (laughs) to the city. It doesn't sound like, oh, that's so awesome. You get to live in Schenectady. Sounds like a venereal disease. Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, I think of like an old, nasty, industrial northeast town, you know? Call myself some know. Schenectady. Isn't that where GE is from? Uh, I don't know, but I do know it is where Liz Stillman is from. Who is? Schenectady, New York, home of Liz Stillman. Okay, but I think it's where GE was is originally from. I think it's where the TV was invented and everything oh, well, was in Schenectady. I'm going to be spending the evening with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Stillman uh, in two weeks, so I will. Uh, oh, yeah? I'll pose the question to them. I'm going to Liz Stillman's big 40th birthday bash. Oh, nice. Damn so, um, one thing I took note of tonight as I signed on to the Skype to start our podcast was the uh the new profile picture of you oh yeah somebody had uh mentioned that the uh the other day and i thought that if somebody had made mention of it then it was worth changing only because i didn't want them to think i was blowing them off so um i don't have many social accounts i don't have many things where my pictures published but uh for skype um, for some reason, I had a picture of uh, Ange and I. I felt it, I felt compelled. I think most people have a Skype uh, profile picture, and I think that's just kind of standard operating procedure. And um, so I had a picture of Ange and I at Guy's wedding. So yeah. I'm in a tux, and and it was summertime, uh, and we both look you know particularly tan, well, young, and rested. So I had that up there for a long time and knew it was up there. You know, I'd log into Skype yeah. all the time, but just haven't got around to, you know, making any of those, you know, um, uh, what are they called? Um, I don't want to say benchmark changes, but um, it, any of those superficial type yeah, of. Yeah, any of those uh, like moving on type of decisions. Yeah, so I, I just left it up there. It was no big deal. And somebody had called me out on it. And I said, 
Well, that's kind of ballsy for them to call me out on it, but I mean, I guess I appreciate it. There, he's a good enough friend of mine. So, um, all right, well, I guess I'll I'll change it. But weeks had gone by and I hadn't changed it, and I was just sitting around waiting for you. Um, and I was like, oh, you know what? Well, let me put a new picture up because I only have one one reasonable picture um, of myself that I could use in such situations, and it's a headshot. Um, yeah. And it's black and white. It's very, it's very glamour, glamour shotish. Yeah, glamour shots. So I happen to have that sitting on my desktop, and my Skype. All the stars aligned, so I ended up updating that. I honestly thought that the reason it was up there was that that was you holding on to hope that that stuff was going to be resolved, and I didn't want to bring it up ever because I didn't want it to be awkward. I'm glad there is an an asshole in the world that has no shame about mentioning that shit. <laughs> Cause he's done the dirty work for anybody that knows you through Skype. Uh, right. Right. Which is funny. Well, the awkward question, <laughs> which is funny on several accounts because one, um, that guy is the least likely to be categorized as an asshole. He's the nicest guy in the world. Very soft-spoken. You know, doesn't rock the boat. Like, doesn't tell a dirty joke. Like, when you drop an F-bomb, he kind of, you know, kind of chuckles, you know, around it. And it's funny. Um, And two, you're probably right. You're probably right. I think there's a sentiment there that um, I haven't gone about changing any of that stuff. You know, because I'm hoping for a... uh, you know, kind of, kind of a miracle turnaround. Yeah, reconciliation. I, I watch, um, I watch way too many um, Dermot Mulroney, um, or, or, or no, not who's the other, who's, who's the other guy? His name was. There's two guys. One Dylan of them, McDermott. Dylan McDermott. Yeah, yeah. Those two get confused. Yeah, They're like yeah, yeah. Paxson, Bill Pullman. You know. I watch too many Dylan McDermott movies to think that that's not. Uh, that's not a possibility. So, um, yeah, I haven't gone through changing all my passwords, which are which are also very uh, relationship sensitive, and um, uh, you know, pictures and whatnot. So, um, yeah. I'll uh, let that play play out yep. um, until people call me out on it, and then. But then I'll when be... you said where the picture was from, man, that was. I mean, I hate to I hate to get too grim on you here. It was guy's wedding, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's almost like an inception of inception of broken up relationships, <laughs> which was this which is, is a broken up marriage uh, inside a broken up. <laughs> <laughs> a failed marriage inside of a picture from a failed marriage. <laughs> Which is funny because when I was moving last week, um, you know, I'm going through the house and I'm cleaning it up and, you know, I'm, I'm putting things away. And th- we – when we had first moved in the condo, all I wanted was a crystal uh, decanter set. Yeah. You know, something some, – I wasn't a big Mad Men fan, but something Mad Men-esque – that yeah. um, you know, we could just kind of put on a table or on a bar, and there'd be you know your your clear, your brown, and and you know your flavored booze in a couple decanters, and you know have a couple glasses and stuff. Because Angie and I were you know we're social drinkers, and and would make ourselves a couple drinks, um, 
you know, on occasion, just sitting around doing nothing. So I always thought that'd be cool. Well, when we lived in the condo, we lived right above. I don't know if I've ever told this story. Um, it, even if I told it to you, I don't know if I told it on the podcast. But um, okay, uh, we lived above the guy who was arrested and convicted of impersonating Jabba Chamberlain. Had you ever heard that story? No, I did not hear this story. Do you know the impersonating Jabba Chamberlain story? I don't even know that okay. story. So, I, I might have heard of it. But you know what? For people that aren't exactly from the area up there, um, let's do this. Explain to people who Jabba Chamberlain is because, uh, you know, Lil, it may be a surprise to New Yorkers and whatnot, but the <laughs> world doesn't center around New York Yankees baseball. Uh, I know who Jabba Chamberlain is, but I think there's people that listen to the show who might not know who the frig Jabba Chamberlain is. <laughs> so 80, I mean... Um, 2009, I'm going to guess it was, um, Yankees had a couple um, hot young rookie pitchers, and Jabba Chamberlain was kind of the jewel of the bunch. He was um, went to, he's from Nebraska. He's a big Nebraska football fan and all that, I know, yeah. Corn-fed Midwesterner through about 101 miles an hour, and big. they took really, um, really good, um, good care of his maturation plan. Um, it was very detailed, and they had this thing called the Jabba Rules, and he was only supposed to pitch so many innings, but when he pitched, he was lights out. He was a he was a media darling and an absolute phenomena around uh, New York City uh, and Yankee baseball. Well, our downstairs neighbor looked exactly like him. No lie, he was a dead ringer. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ange and I kind of made, um, you know, made uh, comments to each other. He looks just like Jabba Chamberlain, blah, blah, blah. So we became a little friendly uh, with um, with this guy. He was downstairs. Uh, we come to find out that he had been married before. He had a couple DUIs. He had a drinking problem. He was on the wagon. And, uh, you know, was just looking for, like, normal people to hang out with. So he would come up now and then. Um, you know, yeah. fraternize, hang out for a few minutes, shoot the shit, and then go back to his apartment. One day he comes up with um, he comes up with a Tiffany decanter and says, "Hey, listen, I wanted to give this to you guys. Um, it was the it was the nicest thing that I got out of my wedding. It was the nicest thing that I got out of my marriage. And now that I quit drinking, uh, I got to get rid of it. But you know, I don't." You know, I don't want it to go to waste, so I thought you guys would, would like to have it. So it's pretty sweet. It's a, it's, a, it's a Tiffany decanter. It's got the little Tiffany blue sticker on the bottom. Yeah. It's got a glass stopper. It's everything I was hoping for in a decanter. So, you know, Everything ha- you were hoping for in a decanter. <laughs> so we had this, and it sat for a while, and it was, uh, um, it was a pride and joy. Well, um, apparently this dude, Ryan, uh, falls off the wagon – we see him kind of spiral, and um, you know he's a little shady. We try to avoid him, but um, occasionally we'll run into him. And he's usually drunk, and he's usually, uh, you know, was he still living in the building? Still living in the building, but like once in a while he would come knock on the door and ask to borrow twenty bucks, and like just really started to become a degenerate. Yeah. 
one day we run into him and he says, hey, listen, uh, I heard you guys just got married. Um, I want to um, I want to give you guys something, um, but I need a ride to go pick it up. So can you drive me to the Cadillac dealership? I've got two Cadillacs and I want to give you one of them. Yeah. And like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, that's that's just forget about being appropriate. This doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah, we're your neighbors, but you're gonna give us a Cadillac? He's like, I got it for business. Um, I can't use both of them, obviously, but um, you know, I want you to have one of them. So like, hey, listen, no thanks, man. You know, we can give you a ride if you want, but we don't need a Cadillac. He's like, no, no, it's cool. I'll, I'll take a cab. So um, a couple days later, I'm working in the city, and um, one of the guys in my office goes, hey, Asbury Park, New Jersey. Sanders, don't you live in Asbury Park? I said, yeah. He's like, oh, well, this guy just got arrested for impersonating mm-hmm. Jabba Chamberlain, and he was charged with theft of goods. And I, mm-hmm. lo- I, go, I, I go, what are you talking about? And I go look at his computer screen, and it's this dude, Ryan. It's in the mugshot. It's in the Daily News, the New York Daily News. And yeah. uh, the story um, uh, outlines how he had been going around uh, to local merchants and passing himself off as Jabba Chamberlain to secure free bar tabs, free food. Uh, he even did like an autograph session at some sporting goods store. That's and awesome. apparently had signed a deal with a car dealership. Um, to have access to their fleet of cars, which makes sense because my first job at a law school was the uh, sports agency I worked for up in Boston, and my job was to get athletes uh, local short-term car leases in yeah. return for autograph appearances and tickets. So yeah. this is totally, in my mind, it's totally plausible that he walked in to the car dealership, passed himself off as Jabba Chamberlain, and um, and got access to a Cadillac. The only reason he got caught was because he tried to buy a house under the false identity of Jabba Chamberlain. How do you think that was going to continue? I I guess he must have got cocky. Well, and also I think that he'd fallen off the wagon, so he'd become – He'd become a drunk again, yeah. and uh, but the idea that you're going to be able to keep that up. Oh, I'm going to buy a house just on the name of Jabba <laughs> Chamberlain. At some point, they're going to want that money. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it probably all started off innocently enough. I bet he was out at a bar with a couple buddies, and yeah. you know, some chick came up to him, or he tried to pass himself off as you know Jabba Chamberlain. When I worked for the Newark Bears minor league baseball team, um, we'd go out with a couple of the players now and then. Yeah. And, you know, the staff, at least the, you know, the younger male semi-athletic members of the staff would try to pass themselves off as minor league baseball players. And it yeah. would work. No, who you would- know, my um, Uncle Mickey, who is deceased now. Uh, back when the Saints first started playing here, they had a quarterback named Billy Kilmer who eventually moved on to the Redskins and played for them for a number of years, uh, you know, on those George Allen teams. Okay. Uh, 
but my uncle apparently had a striking resemblance to Billy Kilmer. So this is the late 60s, you know, uh, and my uncle would frequently get stopped, you know, by people in the street thinking it was the New Orleans Saints quarterback, Billy Kilmer. And I think most of the times or sometimes he would, I, th- I think sometimes he might just play it, might have just played along and gave a fake autograph or whatever. Right, right. it was just easier that way. Right. <laughs> so I guess it's very easy, you know, if you... <laughs> You know, people call you out a few times like, hey, man, you look at Jabba Chamberlain and it happens enough. Maybe it's just like somebody gives you something for it and you're like, screw it. I'm going to start doing this all the time. Totally. And he was a dead ringer. And I'll put this yeah. up. I'll make sure. We haven't uh, updated a post coital in a while, but I'll make sure this gets up because it's totally worth it. Um, yeah, you got to post those news articles and everything. So he And hopefully you know, they'll have pictures attached so we can – See the comparison between him and the real Jabba. At the time, the newspaper article ran a side-by-side headshot, so I'm going to try I'm to sure find that, that article. floating around the internet then. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's funny that um, as I'm kind of packing things up to kind of bring the story full circle, I, I notice the decanter, and I think to myself, well, this was it. This decanter's cursed. Yeah. This was the source of all the problems. I hadn't thought about the guy uh, Skype profile picture. That that could figure into it as well. But as as it stands now, without any further research or thought to it, um, I'm blaming most of the problems on the decanter. Yeah, that's reasonable. <laughs> 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 uh, so we will uh, we'll leave it at that then. A um, couple other uh, nonsensical pieces of Syracuse news, or not even news. Syracuse, yeah. Uh, um, you familiar with Matthew Berry? Is that the fantasy nerd? Yes, he's the fantasy nerd. Yeah. Um, he is also a... Syracuse uh, alumni. Okay. So he graduated apparently in 92. He wrote for the DO. Um, he was a new house geek, like the whole deal. Yeah. Um, so he's got a podcast, an, an ESPN uh, radio podcast that I listen to. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, very, very light on, on fantasy analysis and, you know, just more whimsical banter. Um, which is kind of in in my wheelhouse, so um, I download it daily and listen to it uh, at least during the season, anyway. And he had on uh, guest um, fellow Syracuse alum, also class of '92, uh, Tom Everett Scott. Oh, Tom Everett Scott. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I just realized he was a Syracuse alum in the past two weeks. Okay, I didn't realize his, at I, all. His birthday was recently. I was on IMDb. And I was like, Tom Everett Scott's that old. And I clicked on it, and I think that's where I saw it. I was like, oh, he went to Syracuse? You know, it was one of those weird things. So Matthew Berry kind of billed it as, you know, oh, we were classmates, and and he – he played up the fact that Tom Everett Scott was kind of a big man on campus and, and, you know, very famous at the time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, In all honesty, I think Tom Everett Scott was just plugging some new project that he was working on and was making the rounds anywhere he could. It was a sci-fi network. 
station. Yeah, uh, uh, it sucks. Yeah, so he's not doing, you know, uh, Kelly and Michael Strahan's, you know, daytime yes. talk show or whatever. So he's doing <laughs> two-bit podcasts. And um, Matthew Berry was really playing him up as if he, he was the greatest thing to come out of Syracuse since, you know, since Ernie Davis. But one... I didn't realize that he was uh, that he was alumni, and two, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, I gotta put, I gotta put Tate Diggs. I was gonna say Tate Diggs. He's a hell of a lot more prominent than Tom Everett Scott right now. Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams, yes. I mean, Tom Everett Scott was in that Dead Man on Campus movie, but. <laughs> I mean, I think the most prominent movie he was in is uh, that thing you do. Yeah, and that's you know. Well, yeah, I'm looking at his IDB page right now, and they have it known for you know the the first four things they have listed are that thing you do in American Werewolf in Paris. Right. Okay, that was a that Did was Man legit. On campus and then a movie called Because I Said So from 2007. All right, Z Nation. That must be the show he was promoting. Ah, uh, it is. It is. It must be a zombie show with a name like that. That does ring a bell. Yes, and his birthday was September seventh. So this was this is just uh, this past weekend that I that I noticed Tom Everett Scott was a Syracuse. Uh, Apparently, he studied. He enrolled in communications at Syracuse University. Uh, Let's see. And then he switched into drama when he his sophomore year or whatever. Okay, all right. Um, did you graduate with anybody that would kind of fall in that in that category, where what, uh, he of people that might be famous? Yeah, that that kind of ascended to. I mean, know, some B level celebrity. The guys technically from nineteen ninety nine. We'll say this much. Um, well, you get two bites at the apple. You can yeah, take well, 1999. and 99. Fat Pat's good buddy, uh, Adam Shine, who is Fat Pat's roommate. You know who Adam Shine is, right? I know he's a sports guy. I don't know exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's all, that guy's everywhere now, man. I think he's got a show on CBS. Oh, and who graduated me was Adam Zucker, who is the new. He, he took Tim Brando's job this year. Um. Wait. Okay. Wait. Let's slow down. Let's go. All right. Talk oh, about Adam Shine does S- my actual contemporaries. Okay. Adam Shine does um. S C H E I N. Uh. S C. Yes. Okay. He does um. S N Y. He's yeah, he's local he's, here. Um. But I think he's also with like um one of the national networks too. Or he okay. was briefly. He used to do stuff with like NFL stuff for CBS. I think. I mean, like CBS Sports Network or something. You know, not, not, um, not that. Not like uh, NFL Today or anything. He's on Mad uh, Dog Radio. He's got an NFL.com blog, maybe. Yeah, he is on NFL.com. Yeah. Okay. I think that's his new thing. All I know about him because I don't listen to that, but. I never knew how big – I knew he was hitting it big when I was in Boston because I remember Brian called me one day because he saw him on Cold Pizza. You remember that old – Yes, 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 morning yes. show? Yeah. He was, uh, he, was, he was giving his 
his opinion on bullshit on there. And then probably like six years ago or something, one of my buddies from down here, Jason, the guy who you met uh, when you were here years ago, okay, uh, was te- was telling me how he listens to this guy, Adam Shine. He, he would listen to him on Sirius on, uh, you know, the, the satellite radio. Right, 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 right. You know, so, I mean, he's he's not Tom Everett Scott level, but uh, but I think he's doing pretty well. Uh, Pete Thamel's another guy who does well. He's a writer for for Sports Illustrated now. Yeah. Okay. He um, he is a little more accessible, so I know him. Um, guy talks about him all the time. I don't know if yeah, he covers. He, he's the type of guy. Whenever he comes in town, he's gonna stop by and have drinks with you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I so I guess Pete a lot in the past, like. Eight years since I moved back to New Orleans, I've hung out with him, you know, almost at least once a year. Okay, because he's um, because there's a lot of things that go down here involving college sports. Right, Final Fours, uh, BCS National Championship games, Sugar Bowls, uh, college football conventions or meetings or whatever. So he's here fairly frequently, and we usually get together at least once a night. You know, and and it's never a bad deal when you're eating and drinking on the corporate credit card. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but Adam Zucker, his face is out there now. Are you googling Adam Zucker now? I am, because not that- to be confused with the Adam Zucker who's like a producer or some BS. Um. Adam Zucker works for CBS Sports. Oh, he took over for... Tim Brando. Yeah, Tim Brando was the host of the uh, college football and CBS Sports. Yes, yes, yes. The studio show. Adam Zucker is the new guy this year. All right. He, last, he was on... See, Adam Zucker, uh, when we first... Well, when he graduated in 98, he was... I think he worked for WTVH, you know, one of the local Syracuse stations as the, as the sports guy. Okay. And then um, he might have been there with David Muir or whatever his name is, the new the new world uh, ABC World News Tonight guy, who is from Syracuse but went to Ithaca. He's he's a Syracuse townie, you know that guy. Yeah. Yep. He was he was doing the news when I was in college because I think he graduated from Ithaca like in '96 or something. But now he's going to be the World News Now guy, and I think. I think Adam might have been on the same station with him there. And then Adam was at College Sports Network, which CBS bought. Right. So then he so he was at College Sports Network and then he stayed with um with uh uh with them when CBS Sports bought it and then he then he you know he was doing all the stuff host doing the studio shows in there. And then when CBS Sports, like uh, like last year, for example, like uh, when the Alabama when LSU played Alabama, they did two games that day. They did a game earlier in the day, and if they would do two games, Tim Brando would cover one of the games, and Adam Zucker would do the studio thing, you know. And then and then they said screw it, they got rid of Tim Brando, and they elevate Adam Zucker as to that guy now. So. All right. Now, in terms of of media. Um, and communications alumni, 
Um, that's a tough list to crack because you have yeah. Len Berman, you've got Marv Albert, you have Bob Costas, you know, you've got Ian Eagle, you got Megan yeah. Kelly. Those are those are some heavy hitters. But we Steve cra- Croft. Uh, who? Steve Croft from 60 Minutes. He's a Syracuse. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But he's not on this list for some reason. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he. I mean, sixty minutes. You know, it's sixty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also graduated with Contessa Brewer. I don't know if I uh, her name. Yeah, she was on. Um, she was the news anchor for Imus in the morning. She ended up getting into a spat with him, um, and got into some controversy. Steve Bunin, who was, um, he was an ESPN two anchor. He, uh, ESPN okay. News anchor for um, five or six years. He actually just left ESPN. Um, Sean McDonough, of course. Yep. Dave Pash, Jason Stark. So there's a the, the obviously with with Isn't the new Tim school. Kirchin, is he a Syracuse guy too? Who's that? Is Tim Kirchin a Syracuse guy too? Um, need to check into that. Yeah, they don't have lists. Oh, Croft is there. Croft is on the list, yeah. Um, I don't see Kirkjian. But the list of uh, non-media, non-athlete... Oh, no, he's University of Maryland, sorry. Celebrity is... I mean, it's pretty thin. Yeah. You know, you've got... um, We covered Tay Diggs. Yep, Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams. Um, They had that Pete Yorn guy who was briefly popular. Pete Yorn graduated with me. Yeah. Um, he was friends with um, he was friends with Liz Stillman. He was in one of those. Um, Maybe he'll be at, at the party. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'll have to. Uh, I just remember for a brief minute he was popular. I saw and, him. And, and oh. the guys of your ilk. Of the '96 guys, would like to mention like to mention Pete Yorn's uh, bona fide. It says an Orangeman. I um I saw him open for either No Doubt or the Foo Fighters. I can't remember. I can't okay. Remember. But um, Alan Sorkin is a uh, is a Syracuse guy. Obviously, Peter Falk. Yeah. Lou Reed calls. Yep, Lou uh, Reed. Syracuse you know home. Um, who is. And a class for me at Syracuse. He wasn't famous himself, but um, he was in the African-American studies class with Floyd and me. Uh, Satie Gossett, Lou Gossett Jr.'s son. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was relegated to the back of the classroom with Floyd, Floyd and me, and the, Floyd, the football players, and me. <laughs> he must have been there for a while. white friend, you know. Um the back of the class was for was for interracial friendships. What? Now, what year? <laughs> what year was that? Your that was year? Uh, 1996, 97. Yes. Okay. Because I think I think he was a year between us. Because um, Corey, do you know? Did you know Corey Penn? Cor- I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Corey Brand was her name at Syracuse. She was Soap's girlfriend. So uh, well, she, I know I I I know of her reputation because I remember hearing stories. Yeah, yeah, she was about she, 
she grew up in the same hometown as so it was the weirdest thing she was um super fun super cute like awesome girl um she was like one of the first few girls um that that we knew because soap uh, was friends with her from from home and Reardo knew her and she, I think she was a Gamma Phi I think she was a Gamma okay. Phi Beta um, if if not I'm totally making that up but um, she and Soap were like friendly like they grew up together they went to like middle school together and then like out of nowhere they started dating like with two weeks left of senior year and moved in together up in Boston and like had a pretty serious relationship. Um, It didn't work out for whatever reason, but um, she was friends with, what was his name? Gossett. Yes. What was his first name? I think he is involved in the film industry now, but but yeah, I didn't really know him. I just knew that that's who it was, you know, because he sat right near us. Yeah, and I guess um, she lived in the dorm, maybe up on the Mount sophomore year or something, and he was, uh, Luke Gossett moved him in. Okay. And she lived on his floor or something along those lines, so I knew he was there. Was he an officer and a gentleman? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, of course, Suzanne Plachette. From uh, the Bob Newhart show. Uh, yep. Game. I mean, Suzanne Plachette, yeah, she was she was uh, sexy in her heyday. She was totally sexy in her heyday. Um, did she die in the past two years? She did. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, yeah. 2008. Okay. About two years, six years, what the hell is the difference? <laughs> she, was, uh, she was 70. She died of respiratory failure. but yeah. um, Probably because she smoked a lot, too. Or at uh, least she sounded like she smoked a lot with that voice. Yeah, but she was she was sexy. Yep. Um, I like digging deep into the reservoir of Syracuse people. <laughs> people that went there in the 50s. Suzanne Plachette. But that's, I mean, that's it. I'm sure somebody, uh, you know. People, people that graduate around time, I'd have to go look it up. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody... Somebody who I had no clue who they were at the time, you know, who might be out there doing something right now. I know there was a girl that was there when I was there who graduated, I think, I think she might graduate in 98. And um, what's her name? Marianne Cirque. And she had made it, you know, she's a, she became a comedian. I think she was a drama major or something, but she was... You'd see her like on those VH1 shows occasionally. She might have been on one or two of those. You know those shows where they have random people commenting like "I love the '80s" type of things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, well, who are these people? Where do they dig them up? And I, she might have been on one of those type of shows, but I don't know if she's done anything since. You know. Um, and you I know, do know a couple of girls who are actresses, but they, but they're just they're working actresses, but they're not famous. You know, like they occasionally show up on television shows, you know, because I'll get the Facebook thing. Look out for me. I'll be on uh, NCIS this weekend. You know? <laughs> like girls that you, you actually knew that you graduated yeah, with? Yeah, like one, like a friend of mine's girlfriend, Sarah Doman. Uh, she's got a married name now, but she was a drama major. And, 
you know, she's occasionally on, I think she's been on like two and a half men. She's occasionally on these network shows, but she's just a working actress, you know? Right, right. But she's, uh, I'm sure she's, you know, resigned to the fact that that's what she'll be. I mean, I think she has a kid and everything and she seems to be enjoying her life. And I think her husband's fairly successful, so I think everything's good, you know. Right. But uh, but you know, when you're there, you wonder about that. It's like when I was in high school, and you'd sit there, you know, you hear about all these prominent people when you're in high school, and you wonder what which one of these guys will become the prominent rich guy or something, you know. <laughs> and it doesn't end up being yourself, and it's a little disappointing. <laughs> you know. Uh, that was one of the reasons I was so unprepared for graduation from college because I just, I just figured I'd be the guy who who somehow becomes a movie star. <laughs> so why did I have to plan for like a career? <laughs> uh, well, that's how I ended up in law school because I. Realized that college was running out, and I needed to extend. Uh, I needed to extend or delay my choice of a career path, and decided yeah. that tacking on a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of loans was was a pretty good trade off. So yeah, what better way to do that, right? <laughs> God. Um, I think people are like, how are you going to buy a house with those loans? I was like, I got that figure out, you know. <laughs> oh, I that's gotta live somewhere, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's funny because I've adopted the um, I've, I've adopted the um, the mantra of I'll just figure it out tomorrow. <laughs> just get uh, through today, and then well, then all I got to deal with is tomorrow. So you deal with tomorrow, yep. and then then you figure it out. I was my mom. It's you know she came over and um, we're sitting down and having a cup of coffee or something. She says, "Hey, how you doing?" And I was, and that's become just kind of a veiled um uh, a veiled attempt at opening up a conversation with amongst most you know most people what they really want to what they really want to ask is hey what's going on with fill in the blank hey what's going on with Ange? what's going on with your job what's going on with your house you know but nobody ever wants to ask those questions yeah no so, one wants to ask you uncomfortable stuff right so my uncles are hey, they're all hoping you'll like just give it to them right but i'm <laughs> Busy. Oh, by the way, uh, <laughs> Angie's never coming back. And, uh, I'm leasing the house to a independently wealthy weirdo. Hangs uh, out with guys 25 years his junior and plays drunken games of Clue with. <laughs> <laughs> and I moved back in with my parents. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, basically, I got you all covered. Mm. Um, so, that's my mom asked me you know say hey how you doing all this stuff and she's my mother she's she's one of the few people who 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 i'm not gonna make through jump i'm not gonna make jump through hoops to to have a legitimate conversation with and i said listen i'm okay i'm you know i'm i'm working on things one day at a time and you know it's easier to to kind of you know well then who is your sniper if you're working on things (laughs) (laughs) well that's That's my dad uh people less people people five years and younger than us are definitely not getting that joke (laughs) well it's funny because i've become schneider because i'm running around to all my rental properties Uh, you got your little vest on i got my vest i've got um, cigarettes there whatever 
<laughs> I'm carrying my toolbox around, um, and you know I'm constantly jingling keys to get inside of doors. Um, so I guess I, I'm technically I'm shattered. at the women. <laughs> I keep a rolled up pack of cigarettes in my sleeve, but I never smoke them. Nice. <laughs> I just so, straighten out your pipes. <laughs> <laughs> so the moral of the story is I'm going to – I set off on this conversation uh, at a, with an attempt to bash Matthew Berry by pandering to Tom Everett Scott. But I, I don't – I'd have to put him in the top ten. Oh, yeah. That's, that's how we got here. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to put him in the top ten most famous non-athlete, non-media – Syracuse alum, right? Tom Everett Scott. Yeah, I put it. Yes, I mean that's pre. Uh, Dick Clark, Tay Diggs. Dick Clark, yes. Peter. Uh, Falk. You're talking about people high in the pantheon right now. Peter Falk, clearly more famous than Tom Everett Scott. All right. Dick Clark, clearly more famous than Tom Everett Scott. Uh, uh, Tay Diggs. I'm sure a hell of a lot of people went to see. A hell of a lot more people. Saw Best Man Holiday, Tate Diggs' most recent movie, than whatever Tom Everett Scott's most recent movie was. Uh, Lou Reed is a Lou Rock and Roll Reed, Hall of Famer. Yes. Right? Um, Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams. Uh, what about Grace, Grace Jones? Um, Grace Jones is she not... She's not listed. Well, she's... But she... Uh, Google her. All right. I know this list could be more exhaustive than this. If I was prepared, I would have found you people more famous than Tom Everett Scott, I well, believe. her hometown is Syracuse. And her alma mater is Syracuse University. Bingo. Yes. Nice job. Nice job. Um, all right, so put her on the list. I'm going to... I think Grace Jones might be more... I think there's more people who might know who Grace Jones is than Tom Everett Scott, I'm thinking. Uh, so what are we up to now? Probably six or seven? Sure. <laughs> um, um, Jerry Stiller? Jerry Stiller, Syracuse guy. Definitely more famous than Tom Everett Scott. <laughs> um, Alan Sorkin, screenwriter of The Social Alan Network. Alan Sorkin, yes. Aaron Sorkin is more famous, yes. All right, Alan Sorkin. Uh, Are you looking at the Syracuse University notable alumni? Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Joe Biden went to law school. It's uh, just like Peter Falk got his master's. Right, right. Lisa Lampanelli. Bob Costas, but we're going outside of the realms, right? We don't, want, correct. we don't want football or broadcasters, right? Correct. Um Man, I would say Neil McDonough, who is the uh, – he's been in other stuff. Let's see. Um, Who's that? Neil, Neil McDonough? McDonough. He was in um, – Joyce Carol Oates, although that's debatable. She is famous, but whether she's more famous than Tom Everett Scott. <laughs> you would know this guy if you saw him. Nothing – is jumping off of his... His Royal Highness Prince Sultan bin Salman al-Sayed. <laughs> <laughs> Neil McDonough is the guy he does the... Uh, it's a television commercial. Maybe it's Cadillac or something. And um, he's got like blonde white hair. He looks like he would play a villain uh, in a movie. And he's... 
he's going through all the things, um, why, you know, why it's great to be an American and not to be a European or, okay. or all the things that Europeans do. And yeah. he gets in the car. Uh, the gist of the commercial is Europeans take a month off. And they, you know, they have they have better quality of life because they yeah, work less, yeah. etc. And um, you know, he gets in the car and he's like, "Well, this is why I work the extra two weeks a year, you know, so I can have a Cadillac." You would know the commercial. Yeah, yeah, um, I know what you're talking. About. I know the commercial you're talking about. But I can't think of the gu- the guy's face. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him above Tom Everett Scott. You know who I'm gonna put ahead of Tom Everett Scott? And this is a shout out to Floyd because he'll appreciate this. Um. Porn star Lexington Steel. Ah, all right. <laughs> he. Uh, what year did he graduate? Graduated from Syracuse University's College of Arts and Sciences with a double degree in history and African American American studies in 1993. Ah, uh, Clifford. Todd Known Britt. for his ridiculously large penis. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, all right, so I'm going to say it's basically anybody but Tom Everett Scott. <laughs> I just I just have a hard time believing that's where we'd have to, you know. I mean, he's – Tom Everett Scott is just so, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, I just got to think we're, we grow beyond – that no offense to Tom Everett Scott if he's listening to our um, podcast. And listen, if he wants to download, we'd welcome him. We'd welcome yeah. him, just like we'd welcome any of you to who wish to subscribe to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. Head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button. Don't cost you nothing. Oh, this guy is a Syracuse guy. I mean, he's not more famous than Tom Everett Scott, but but uh, the place he was he owned was. Steve Rubell, former Studio 54 club owner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Him and the other guy. Actually, I know a guy down here who's, par- who's from Florida. Uh, uh, he's a Jewish guy. He's an attorney. His, his parents went to Syracuse University, and they were friends with Steve Rubell, I think, Either Steve, either they were in Steve Rubell's wedding, or Steve Rubell was in their wedding. It was something like that. There's you know? a good Studio 54 documentary that I watched not so long ago. Um, it's really good. It's really good. Check, yeah, check it out. I'll maybe I'll throw it up on uh, on the two sorry yeah, excuses dot up. com. <laughs> um, uh, we've gotten past uh, you know people we can. Uh, Samantha Brown, she's that on that Travel Channel show. She's Syracuse. Um, I don't know. I don't think we need to beat up on Tom Everett Scott anymore. <laughs> Unintentionally. Uh, it certainly wasn't my intention, other than pointing out that I thought Matthew Berry was making too big of a deal of Tom Everett Scott. And for a while there, I thought that I was wrong. But we flushed that out. And Of course, now I'm on the Entertainment and Arts page section of the famous Syracuse alumni on um, or notable alumni on Wikipedia. You know, and they Frank Langella is a Syracuse grad. Who's that? 
He was in Frost Nixon. He played Skeletor. Uh, Frank Langella. You know Franklin Langella is. Yes, 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 yes. Frank Langella. He is definitely... Lisa Lampanelli went to Syracuse. I did not know that. Yeah. Here's... Yeah. Uh, they got. They even have Cuddy's boy listed on here. Jay Harrington. Oh, I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah. I just, and there's Neil McDonough. I'm gonna... I can click to a Wikipedia page of him. Oh, yeah. I recognize that guy. He's from Dorchester. Uh, he is. Yeah, okay. Um... Oh, damn it. Yeah, I know Jay Harrington. Yeah, I figured you did if you... Yeah, I didn't realize that that was the same guy. Yeah, they got, um... Uh, you know, Tom Everett Scott's even on this list. Uh, okay. Well, there... Peter Weller. Yes. Peter Weller. Um, RoboCop. He's got a graduate degree in Syracuse. Like, he went back later on, like, only in the past 15 years... I would see him on these History Channel shows, and I remember that that's how I found that out. I was watching one of these shows about uh, the ancient Greeks or Romans or something. Oh, and yeah. You... Peter Weller comes on and says, Professor, Classical History, Syracuse University. I was like, what? RoboCop's a professor at Syracuse? <laughs> yeah, and he went back to school for that stuff. He went back to Syracuse, enrolled in the Maxwell School, and studied all that stuff, history and all that. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, that, I remember that story. I remember you telling me about that. I never, yeah. I, I wouldn't have recalled it unless you put it in that exact same framework. Yeah. Uh, or that exact I'm, same context, but. Um, and people uh, on here probably, and I probably told that story on here. That's so right. I'm that's done right. with it. I'm <laughs> done with it. Um, hey, some bookkeeping before we get going. Yeah, we've been on here a long time. We have been on here a long time. We have serious stuff to cover, man. Serious stuff to cover. A couple things. One, um, go to iTunes, hit the subscribe yep. button, uh, download our podcast. Go to Stitcher if you're anti Apple, uh, Stitcher.com, download the Stitcher app. Uh, gotta give a little love to uh, our. Um, our composer and musician, uh, Adam Kohler. Yes. Two sorry excuses. Bandcamp.com. Come on. Somebody buy the song. Let's yeah. Give a little Royce. Maybe little... Brian Peters will buy it. You know, we got to show a little love to Adam. Uh, at least, um, at least recognize him semi-regularly on the podcast. He did the... Great job. We have great music now. Intro yeah. and the outro, both composed by Adam. Uh, we appreciate his help. Um, write us a review. Let us know how we're doing, unless we're not doing well. then Yeah, then we don't want to hear from you. No, just stay away. <laughs> stay away. Yeah, that's um, cool. And uh, com. click on the Amazon banner. And buy something. Don't just click yep. on the Amazon banner. And, you know? and hopefully we'll be telling you to buy some Dollar Shave Club soon enough. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so help a couple brothers out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sick of being a lawyer. Sanders is sick of being wherever the hell he is. <laughs> <laughs> Throw us a fucking bone, man. Come on. <laughs> over the last over the last year, uh, nine months, ten months or so, we come on, we had to make you laugh at least once. Maybe smile. Yep. You know, we know numbers are down, dude. Numbers are down. September is not looking like a particularly strong month. 
because we're starting to sound too desperate now. No, no, not at all. What the point okay. I wanted to make was that um, uh, it's you know school is back. You know, I think people are just kind of getting back into the grind. They got kids; they're off to school. But let's face it, we've known you longer than yeah, your, screw kids. your kids. Listen to our show. What have your kids done for you lately? Yeah, no kidding. Brought home some, you know, some crappy uh, pop quiz or whatever. They took the first week of school. Your kid doesn't know the square root of, uh, you know, 64 or something. Remember the time you wanted to save $3 on the cover charge on Wednesday night? That was Liv who let you in for free. He didn't have to do it, but he did. That was me. Remember that, that time you wanted to hear Rusted Root so all you and your sorority sisters could bounce around? That, that was me. Yep. I did that. Every time you see that Enterprise commercial, think of Matt DeSantis, <laughs> a.k.a. Sanders. That <laughs> 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 kills me. You know that Enterprise commercial with the Rusted Root song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, which uh, is not called Simi and the Whale, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> Simi on my way. Um, listen, download if you want to. Listen if you want to. Who cares? Who cares? Just at least download. <laughs> we don't even care if you listen. It's all about the downloads that really count. <laughs> I'll tell you what. What we promise not to do next week is dissect the Central Michigan-Syracuse uh, football game because um, – one, I think you're right, Liv. I think nobody wants to hear that, uh, especially coming from us. And two, I think there is nothing worse than than casual football fans dissecting X's and O's of college athletics, especially mid-tier college football. Because yeah. I downloaded um, Orange Fizz which um, is run by uh, Daryl uh, – now, what's his name? D.A. He's a, he's a sports talk radio host. I follow them on Twitter, and those guys are hardcore, though. Damon Amendolare is his name. He's a Syracuse yeah. grad. He did some sports talk for uh, maybe CBS Radio or, or something along those lines. He runs Orange Fizz. He actually does a pretty cool thing. He runs – he owns Orange Fizz – I mean, he probably handles a lot of the business ops, but he lets a team of student broadcasters run it. So it's kind of cool. It's like uh, are they the ones who do the fizzcast? They are the one who, do, who they're the ones who do the fizzcast. Um, and a little behind a little behind the scenes, pull the curtain back. Um, I had reached out to them earlier uh, this summer in an attempt to kind of maybe cross promote our podcast. I figured yeah. they've got a lot of listeners, but they don't necessarily uh, overlap in demographics, and we kind of bring a lighter side to life as Orange Faithful. Um, so yep. I thought there was at least a loose connection there, and uh, sure enough, those fuckers didn't get back to me. So uh, Orange Fizz is dead to me. Orange Fizz is mm-hmm. dead to the Two Sorry Excuses universe, um, but we have new friends in uh, Noons is an Absolute Magician dot com. Uh- I, I've been following him for a long time, that guy. Um, he's actually gotten back to you? He, um, well, he followed us on Twitter. Okay, that's good. So uh, I'm going to try to um, remember that Twitter is my responsibility. And despite the fact we only have about 13 followers, um, I will try to be more active 
uh, on the Twitter sphere. Well, maybe if we link to some of those nude celebrity photos, we can increase our <laughs> our followers like a hundredfold or something. You know, uh, get a good. few perverted loners out there. You know, <laughs> I think that's a winning marketing strategy, my friend. Yeah, there you go. All right, uh, you got anything else? Nah, I can't think of anything. <laughs> All right, then. Um, with apologies to Girk's brother. We'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo. Mm-hmm.